0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the DDP for the 12th day of August. I'm Paul White. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and today we're going to cover this valedictory statement by Paul, his goodbye, in effect, to Timothy. He, there's, it's not all that he has to say. There's, there's several more verses, but this is probably the last of the most famous uh, texts of First of and Second Timothy, and there are a lot. I hope you've noticed over these past few months as we've worked through these two little letters, some of Paul's most famous phrases are found in First and Second Timothy, and this little three verse collection we'll read Second Timothy four verses six through eight contain a couple of those. Listen up. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, we don't want to overdo it when we try to break down the theology of any verse, and we certainly don't want to try to establish entire mindsets through the wording of single verses, but there are some interesting things that take place in this valedictory by Paul. Um... Let's start with the most obvious. And that is that Paul is using a couple of allegories, a couple of metaphors to get his point across to a Jewish, a man with a Jewish background, like Timothy, a drink offering is something that was offered in praise to God. And Paul says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Um, We don't assume that Paul meant he was actually being poured out of some sort of glass. And so here, once again, we know he's referencing something bigger. But the drink offering that is when it was poured out, it doesn't come back. It's imagine standing with a glass of water and pouring it onto the ground. You never get that water back into the cup. So to be poured out as a drink offering is a finality. There's no coming back from it. It's Paul's way of saying I'm laying my life down. I've laid my life down for the cause of ministry. I'm about to be at that place where there is no coming back. It's another way of saying death. And then he switches metaphors. He mixes his metaphors in verse 7 and says, I fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. He, he takes wrestling and racing and brings them back. And this is something common to Paul, if you'll remember. He does this at other points in the, in the epistles when he talks about uh, wrestling and, and those who, who put in the work and run the course and anyone who I think it's the Corinthian letter, when he talks about um, any man that runs, runs to be master of the race. Uh, and so he's mixing the metaphors of fighting or wrestling and racing. Uh, again, not assuming that he's in a fight and not assuming that he's actually sprinting or running a marathon, but he's just saying that his time has come to an end. And then when I, when I said earlier that you don't want to squeeze, try to squeeze out too much theology from just individual verses, what I'm really talking about is verse eight. Let me reread it. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And this, This kind of verse causes us to think that there's a moment in heaven where God hands out crowns and that for making it in, we all walk around with a crown of righteousness on. Um, If that helps you to understand the victor of heaven, then fine. But I think that what Paul's doing is simply referring to his allegory of verse 7. In the games, the wrestler, the winning wrestler, Or the winning sprinter, anyone who was declared or decreed to be the winner would receive a crown, usually not made of gold, but a a crown of of plants, a, 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 a wreath that was placed around the head. And so Paul just takes the allegory and switches it to a crown of righteousness. It's his way of saying that there's a reward coming, that I am about finished with what I'm doing that there's a reward that's been laid up for me. Who gives it? The righteous judge. This is a phrase that is interesting, um, righteous judge, because it's not something that Paul talks about much. Um, James refers to God in such a way. Jesus has a moment in John 5 where he talks about the judgment that that had been committed to him. And the author of the book of Hebrews talks about God and the mountain, Mount Zion, the mountain we've all come to and God the judge living on that mountain. I like to say that if you're going to have a judge, you want it to be a fair judge. And if you are innocent with nothing to hide, you most certainly want the judge that's fair. And that's who we have. Our righteousness is in Christ. Therefore, we want the righteous judge because he'll judge righteously. And then this last line, and and again, I don't want to risk pushing and squeezing too much theology out of a verse, but I do find this rather interesting, and I'll only go so far with it. I'm not trying to establish an entire framework of thinking. But listen again to the end of verse 8. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's not talking about, it's obvious that Paul's talking about his own death. He's not talking about the return of Jesus, and yet he uses all those who love his appearing. And again, at risk of squeezing too much out of it. If Paul's talking about death and that when you get home, you receive your reward for being home and not only me, he says, but everyone who loves his appearing, he's not talking about waiting until Jesus quote unquote appears or comes back, but rather for all who have ever loved the appearing of Jesus in revelation, every revelatory moment we've ever had with Jesus, that he says qualifies you as the one who receives the crown of righteousness and so again not trying to establish some new way of framing eschatology but I don't think in this text Paul's talking about Jesus appearing I think he's talking about Jesus making appearances to us and that that is our indication that the crown of righteousness belongs to us Okay, tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to introduce the Sunday sermon that's going to drop. And in the next couple of days, I think maybe the next two or three days, we ought to be able to finish this fourth chapter. And as I told you a few days ago, we are going to then for the next few weeks, as a a way of me sort of catching up here at the end of the summer and getting a little bit of a break, uh, we're going to come on every day and introduce the segment that we're going to air for you. But we are going to dip into the archives and air something that we recorded about four years ago but never aired. And that is the audio version of our book, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. We never aired the audio version, but we're going to do it on the DDP. More details to come in the next few days. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.